Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kate, and you could follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. And I'm Jake. You can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. And we are all here to talk about some fantasy football. We've got just one week until the draft. Just one week. I am very excited. Oh, are you? Seven Excited enough to sing about no. it? Like Kate just I, did? <laughs> no, I, as well as I just did, because that's going to be hard to beat. I have to work the draft, so it's not as exciting. But to get to find the landing spots of these folks that we've been talking about for the last four months now is very, very exciting. And I just need to know where Justin Fields is going. Like, that's really all I need for the night. Hopefully it happens soon. I can just like calm my brain. I need to know where he goes. I need to know. Okay, here's my <laughs> issue though. We've had so much fun just like speculating. I know. Watch. Like it is sad when it's done, especially when people land in bad spots and then you're just like, Ugh. and then you try to talk to, into them anyways. You know, if Justin Fields goes to Atlanta and he has to sit behind Matt Ryan, I'm be like, you know what? Like he's going to learn so much and he's just going <laughs> to come out better, even though I'm going to be devastated inside. Yeah, I just don't know. There's a, a positive spin to everything. But hey, you know what? It's fine. We have to get to some real football eventually jake are you so excited we're gonna be talking about your green bay packers later in regards to their their movements or potential movements in the draft but we will hit on some news and notes and then we want to talk about who should be safe in the draft we want to talk about who should we be concerned about who is giving us the meat sweats we had the meat sweats episode last draft and I like it. I, I like the name. So this is the 2021 edition. It's literally like you're sitting there night of day one or even day two, and you're worried about your fantasy people. Either if you play Dynasty, then you're definitely worried about the guys on your team, anyone that their value might be hurt. But even if not, you all have your favorite players, right? The guys you're already thinking about drafting in 2021, if you just play redraft, like you don't want those guys that you love in fantasy that, you know, have to compete next year. Like, you don't want that. You want no competition. Just give them the ball 300 times, please. Yeah, it's exciting, yeah. but it's scary, too, because <laughs> anything can happen, it can happen. And it's so potentially derailing uh, that it. I, I think I'm more nervous than I am excited at this point, quite frankly. <laughs> well, I am very excited to hear who you're nervous about because I actually have no idea. I feel like you don't have loves of your lives as much as I do, or even Kate. Kate's not as severe as I am. Like I get too hooked on guys. 
but I feel like you really are just kind of like, uh, you know, I like who, uh, you know, they're okay. You're more aloof. Yeah, of you're just... like. I try to be even keeled about it. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but mostly I try. Yeah, I'm the opposite of even keeled. No. I'm like, I'm like you better not say anything bad about Zach Moss. He's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of therapy to get through in regards to some of our our very antsy feelings about some players more than others. I will say our first news and notes. It went, let's get into that because there was news today and it was one of your guy. It affects one of your guys that you love last year. All right. All and right. And backed him so hard. Stop it. Let's okay. get into the news and notes where we can rip off my large bandaid on my soul. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. So the big news this week, it's sadly, this is the big news, but there hasn't been a whole lot with bets lately. Wayne Gallman signs with the 49ers. Now, I don't think we have to be too worried about your man, Raheem Mostert. You loved him last offseason. I think there's still a good reason to have some hope for him this season. If Gallman signs with any other team, we're not talking about him. He's a backup. But with the 49ers, it's like any running back can go into this offense, do pretty well because of the system and the big holes that they get. And then the competition is just Raheem Mostert, who gets hurt all of the time, and Jeffrey Wilson. I don't want to talk about uh, I don't want to talk about my man getting hurt. It was a rough season. Played eight games in 2020, but you know what? He actually finished the season. Uh, playing pretty well, came out with 677 scrimmage yards. He was banged up all season. Every single time uh, he he had really any shot, ended up getting injured. But I, I do hope that him getting some time in the offseason is going to heal up that that ankle injury. Um, I mean, it was, it was a rough season. But, I mean, let's look at the fact that, you know, he was uh, – Definitely a workhorse back in any sense of the word for Kyle Shanahan, at least. I mean, he had more than 15 carries in one, two, three. Uh, he had 14 carries in two games. So he was definitely utilized heavily. I think that they like him a lot. He actually was killing it. It's just the entire issue was injuries. He played eight games, but even when you say he played those eight games, there's a lot of games he barely played out of those eight. Like that last one was 30% of the snap. In week two, he played 21% of the snap. He or 21% of the offensive snaps. He actually only played more than 50% in one game. And he was on pace for over 1,300 scrimmage yards. If Raheem Mostert can stay healthy, he's going to be a great value. And I do think he's better than Wayne Gallman. But let me talk about the difference between Raheem Mostert and Wayne Gallman. Uh, I actually think Wayne Gallman had a really great season. When he came in for Saquon Barkley, he looked fantastic. Uh, like, too good a little bit made me uncomfortable because it's like, okay, well, Saquon Barkley kind of looks like that too. Like, are, are they cut from the same cloth? But no, no, they are not. It, it is optical illusions. And Wayne Gallman is just not that kind of running back that Kyle Shanahan is absolutely obsessed with. He is not the the speedy, uh, like, big play zone guy. 
I mean, Wayne Gallman, all, all of Kyle Shanahan's running backs run like a 4-3-40. Uh, Wayne Gallman, he's he's in the 4-6 range. That's just not Kyle Shanahan's type. Um, I, I don't think that they have uh, necessarily a, a ton of draft capital in the right spot unless they are going to make some trades uh, where they're going to get a back that I think is going to impact really Raheem Mostert, where they could take on a four a, a full role. Um, I don't care. I I just think Raheem Mostert could be one of the best values in 2021. What do you think, Jake? I think this is such a 49ers signing to pick up <laughs> Wayne Gallman. That is the absolute thesis that Kyle Shanahan has written so far. Is like, yeah, I'm just going to pick up scraps. And you know what? I'm going to make them work pretty well. I, I agree, though. I don't think Gallman is necessarily this huge threat. It is just more of that anything can happen in Shanahan's backfield thing. But I think the one saving grace for Mostert especially is Gallman's not a dynamo in the pass-catching area. You know, he he's okay. He's competent. But he's never really, you know, thrived in that area per se. So, I mean, for all he did last year, which was very good, um, you know, he, he was just mediocre in terms of passing. He only had 27 targets last year. Um, so that in and of itself makes him a little bit less valuable to me than Mostert. Yeah, if I'm drafting one, I think Raheem Mostert's going to be drafted super late anyways. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to take Goldman because he's going later. It's like, how much later? Mostert's not going to be a high draft cost. And I think this is Raheem Mostert's total competition now is Gallman and Wilson, like Kate just brought up, they don't really have the draft capital to be taking a running back. And they would have to do it in the first round at pick, like the third overall pick, which obviously is not happening. They traded up to number three for Najee. Yeah. Or in the second round. Really, it just comes down to that second round pick. Do they want to take a running back or not? After that second round pick, they don't have another pick to pick 102, their third round comp pick, because they, they traded away their third. Uh, you know, once you get to pick 102, I'm not worried about the competition anymore at running back. I think they have too many other holes to be drafting a running back, and it just doesn't seem like a Kyle Shanahan thing. Kyle Shanahan, like, he wanted Raheem Mostert to be the guy last season, and I think that uh, Kyle Shanahan is smart enough to know that, like, yes, he was banged up last year. Yeah, and it I, comes down to Mostert, Wilson, Gallman, and Hasty. It's just like which one comes out on top. I don't think we really know. I'll, I'll lean Mostert right now as long as he can stay healthy. Moving on, the new Eagles head coach. A is crazy. If anyone hasn't seen his press <laughs> conference today, he's just a wild man. Can we just do a segment on him being weird, Nick yeah. Sirianni? He like like shouts during his conferences, and he's like so hyped. Yeah, he it seems like he's on some drugs, but I won't accuse him of that. We he, do not need to go down for we've had a rough enough week here in Ball Blast. We do not need to go down for talk some. about him being on drugs, though. He refuses to name Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback, and he wants competition at every position. I think people are probably overreacting to what he said. He said, I just have been with these guys for the last two days. We just started like Zoom calls. I want competition in every position including quarterback, but then everyone ran with that. The thing is, you have Jalen Hurts or Joe Flacco. And yeah. if, if you're not willing to say Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback over Joe Flacco, that, that's an issue. And I don't think any of these five quarterbacks will be there at pick 12 for them. 
No. I don't think so. Maybe. But they already made the move to trade back. If this was going to be your... I know, but if they trade back, pick up a first, and still grab one of these top five quarterbacks, it's a pretty great move. And I think they should take a quarterback if one of those five land there. I like Jalen Hurts, and I want him to get the chance, but you got to take the quarterback at that point if one of them falls to that spot. But if it's just flack on Hurts, just stop it. It's Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what to make of this. It's a weird situation. What would be your percent chance, Jake, that it hurts and Flacco are the two quarterbacks on the roster, not a rookie. Both are healthy. What is your percent chance that Flacco could start week one? Half of a percent. And that's because Hertz got dinged up in practice earlier that (laughs) week and uh, had to be bailed out. No, there's, there's, almost no chance that they would start Flacco. Now, maybe midway through the season or something, if Hurd starts to falter. I don't know. I guess there's always that possibility. Yeah, no. I'm with you there. I don't even know if I give it a half a percent. Can we give negative percents? (laughs) I don't know if that's how percents work. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's false math coming from our former math teacher, but I just think, I mean, it's silly. I get that you want to sort of inspire confidence and like have everybody know that like, yes, you were the new coach and you have a chance with us. Like give us all you got because you never know what could happen. But also don't you want a team to have a leader? And if you confuse them, that's confusing. Like you want a team to have a starting quarterback. You never want to go the off season without that true leader that the team knows, okay, this is the guy we have to get behind. Well, Jalen Hurts changed his number. Yes. And I just think that messes with your psyche and which messes with the development of your young quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a guy who, like, he's got confidence. I feel like he sort of knew that, like, yeah, this this dude Carson Wentz, like, get out of here. Uh, Changed his number to one like a true player does because he is number one. He knows he's he knows he's the guy. Joe Flacco didn't get number one, guys. Oh, good Lord. Joe Burrow, who also is not number one. Actually, I have no idea what his number is. Is it number one? Is it? I don't know. I I have no idea. But apparently, he is ahead of schedule and expected to play game one. And I think that's more important than any jersey number. I am happy for him. Uh, I hope that is true. I hope he can come back fully healthy. Game one, even as a Steelers fan, I want to see Joe Burrow out there fully healthy right away. And I want to see him just target T. Higgins like no other. Number nine, by the way. That means he's the ninth best quarterback. I think that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That actually (laughs) kind of works out. Yeah. Yeah. But Jalen Hurts is number one. (laughs) (laughs) And then talking about another team in the AFC North, the Ravens coach, Johnny Boy, said that they are certain that they'll find wide receivers in the draft that fit them. Also, he said wide receivers. Do you think they're going to draft more than one? Also, do you feel like this means 100% they're going to take a guy in the first round? I think it's possible. I think they've shown that they're not necessarily averse to that, which fantasy managers don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that uh, a first-round wide receiver talent is going to go to Baltimore because that is a perceived death sentence for that wide receiver's fantasy value. Perceive. I Let's think just cut could. to it. It's it's a it's a death sentence. But is this Get a chicken and egg perceived. situation? I do wonder a little bit. Like, is Marquise Brown really 
Like, is it on him or is it on the team that he hasn't lived up to fantasy expectations? Because he's truly the only wide receiver that we've had to test out in this theory with so far. So I'm willing to reserve a little bit of possibility that another receiver could step in and do better, but it's a slim margin. Yeah, I don't love it. And But they did say they already know who they are. Like, they have their wide receivers that they want picked out. And he said, we had the meetings and we'll try and get them. Uh, very, I feel like that's a very specific sentence, like to come out of a coach's mouth. Normally they're just, you know, they're not giving us that information. He's like, yep, we want wide receivers. We're going to draft them. We know who they are. Like we're not even hiding it. And I feel like, uh, you know, there's information out there that they're looking at Terrace Marshall. Now he's had injury concerns just pop up about past, uh, leg injuries. I I think he'll be okay. But Terrace Marshall is definitely one of those guys I think would really, really suffer going into the Ravens system. I think he's raw. Uh, He hasn't completely broken out yet in college football like he was about to this year, but then got hurt. I I just, I think he's too raw to be a wide receiver one on a team right now. And being with Lamar Jackson is just not the way to uh, succeed right away. Yeah, I like when you say like they have their guys, it just makes me wonder like I don't know that I understand what their type is. Like I feel like there are certain teams where we really have a good understanding of what kind of like players they get drawn into. I think they want a tall guy because I think they want the opposite of Hollywood Brown. Ouch. Which is very good for my <laughs> Elijah Moore. Like if I need them to stay away from him like far, far away. And I think they're looking right now for a tall wide receiver that Lamar Jackson can uh, pass to with his inaccuracies. You got to have that long arm length or else uh, you're not going to catch the ball from Lamar Jackson. Yikes. That uh, <laughs> We just had some Ravens fans uh, sign off. I'm just messing, kind of. Bye, guys. We, we signed off the Bengals fans last week, so it's the Ravens <laughs> Working your way through the division. <laughs> I'd definitely be worried if my favorite wide receiver went to the Baltimore Ravens, but it's not like at Willie Sneed is a good proof of concept. Like that, it doesn't say much for the wide receivers that they've had in the system. I mean, we've seen Mark Andrews with size uh, be able to accomplish some stuff. And one last thing I'll say about this before jumping into our main segment. People love to point to the Titans about any outlier. You know, Sam Darnold's going to be good because Ryan Tannehill was good. The wide receiver spot, you know, we were all worried about A.J. Brown going to the Titans, saying it was a bad spot. We didn't like it. Yes, but, like, it was Marcus Mariota, and A.J. Brown did suck for those little few games he had as a rookie with Marcus Mariota. No one knew Ryan Tannehill was going to take over. He's a good passer. He's more accurate. He's not such – he doesn't run the ball as much. Like, unless we think a better passing quarterback is going to come in for Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's never going to play for them again, it's not the same situation. It's just not. Moving on now to our segment. There's some backfields or wide receivers that we can feel good about. You know, going into this draft, we, we don't have to stress too much. Like, anything could happen, of course, but we can feel pretty safe about them. And there's some that we are going to be sweating it out for the first two nights of the, the draft. The meat sweats. The meat sweats. 
Everybody, before we get back into some fantasy football talk, I want to talk to you about my front page story. We've talked about them a million times, and that is because they are so freaking awesome at creating really special gifts for the people you love. Talk to a professional writer. Don't forget Mother's Day is coming up, like approaching very quickly. Don't think we forgot about your mothers. You better be thinking about the gift, and here is your idea. Talk to a professional writer about your mom and tell them stories for 10 to 15 minutes with myfrontpagestory.com. And that professional journalist will write the most amazing story ever. So literally, you give you give it to mom, it shows up, and it's like a front page of a newspaper, except it's about your mom, and she gets to know how much you love her. This is such an awesome gift, though, for real, for real, because you know your mom read the newspaper, at least growing up. Maybe she stopped over the last couple of years, but this is something that's going to feel nostalgic to her. Like, she's going to love this gift, and it actually means you put some thought into it. Like, I know we have a lot of mal listeners here, and I have a feeling that you just order those flowers, and you send them on over, you put no thought into it. Like, if you actually take those 10 minutes and just tell them about a fun story about your mom or a loving story or just a sweet story from when you were a kid or now, like anything, like your mom's going to cry. You're going to make her so excited. It's just like such an easy, uh, it, it's not, I don't want to say inexpensive, but it's not like a, a expensive gift. Like, don't worry about that. And it's just something that your mom is going to absolutely adore. Like you're going to win son or daughter points so hard. Jake, are you she one of those going, guys that just smashes send on the flowers? I actually like to think that I'm a little more creative than that. <laughs> I have made some gifts over the years, not only because I'm cheap, but also because I'm <laughs> sentimental. But this is so, I, I know it's maybe a little uncouth to say, it's so easy. Not that that's the main vocal point, <laughs> but it's easy and it's something that you know that mom is going to keep around for a super long time. Oh, yeah. She's going to cry happy tears. And not that like tears are great, but isn't that kind of the goal with your mom is to make her happy cry instead of sad cry? <laughs> and that's the goal. But you know what? You don't you don't have to worry about the cost because we are here to help you out. We have a promo code, especially for our listeners. Blast 15. Enter the promo code when prompted. That's blast 15 at myfrontpagestory.com and you will get 15 percent off. And guess what? Uh, you'll make your mom cry some happy tears. And guess and what? Those flowers that you're buying are not cheap. So go get something that she actually will love. I'm not saying your mom doesn't love flowers, but this will mean so much more to her um, than just getting the normal flowers. So go over there. Myfrontpagestory.com. Fall Blast 15 for 15% off. Oh, here come the meat sweats. Let's start with the should be safe. I don't actually think it's that long of a list. Of course, we're not going to talk about the big names like, you know, your Dalvin Cooks, your CMCs. They're not going to be replaced in this draft. You're fine. But when you're looking at the later round guys, your David Johnsons, maybe he already has competition with Mark Ingram being added to this free agency, but we should not be worried about the Texans drafting a running back whatsoever. They have no first round pick or second round pick, and they have one million holes. So... What are your thoughts on David Johnson if there's no running back drafted? 
I still hate it. I hate it because it's just icky to say that I would draft David Johnson as a, a mid-round value at that point because volume is king still to a certain extent for running backs in fantasy. So, yeah, like you said, there's there's probably almost no competition there. Ingram is not a concern. So uh, David Johnson just as RB2, RB3, if you want that security, sure. And let's talk about the fact that David Johnson has uh... – Forte, if we're going to still label him with a Forte at this point, um, he's a capable receiver. And you know what? They have Will Fuller out of town. No more DeAndre Hopkins. How many they times? They have Brandon Cooks, and that's it. It's literally Brandon Cooks and David They don't even Johnson. have Darren Fells anymore. No, and that, like that's been my my interesting take of the, the offseason. Maybe we see Jordan Aikens get a little bit more involved at tight end. But it's literally... Uh, David Johnson, Kiki Cutie, and Brandon Cooks. And again, and, they can't really add anyone because they don't have a first it. or second round pick. So he might actually be a huge value in PPR leagues, and it's so gross. But, uh, I mean, played 12 games, finished the year with 180 touches. Um, Eight touchdowns? Yeah, it. It's not actually. Will the, the Texans thing. score eight touchdowns this year on offense? <laughs> if they do, I have to assume they're all coming from uh, David Johnson, just accidentally. Yeah, it's not <laughs> exciting at all, and you have to think this team will be losing pretty much every game. But with Duke Johnson out, like Mark Ingram has never really been that great pass catching back. I guess he did it for a little bit with the Saints, but I I, I would lean David Johnson over Mark Ingram for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that I I I can see him being on some of my fantasy teams. It's worth noting that after, you know, David Johnson's big season in 2016, uh finished the season with 5.7 yards per touch. In 2020, he finished the year with 5.6 yards per touch. Ooh. So he basically is the David Johnson of 2016 and only half the scrimmage yards than he had that year. <laughs> uh, basically half the touches, Michelle. The math works out. Leave me An- alone. Another uh, backfield that we don't have to worry about at all, it's Chris Carson. Like, I think he's going to be the man again. Like, Rashad Penny might finally come back from that injury and get more touches, but I still think, you know, you have Carlos Hyde gone. Even if Rashad Penny comes in and steals some touches, Chris Carson's going to be fine. I think Chris Carson's going to be a fantastic value next year. The Seahawks have three picks. All draft. And one of them is a seventh rounder. That is absolutely wild. They have no first round pick and no third round pick and also no fifth or sixth round pick. They have one second round pick that you're looking at there like, oh, please don't take a running back. Like, obviously, they're not going to take a running back. If they do, like, that whole management team with the Seahawks and coaches just need to be fired because that would be ridiculous. Like, this is the Chris Carson show. Like I said, Penny might come in and do his thing. Yeah, he will. They're not drafting a running back with one of their three picks. Do you remember that three-day span where it was cool to like Rashad Penny again? Yeah, I know. If they didn't bring back neat. Chris Carson, that would have been this would have been so great because they they can't draft a running back with these three picks. And you if they him. do with one of them, it would be a seventh rounder, and who cares? Uh, but yeah, if Chris Carson also has his issues staying healthy all season long, so Penny also is a great value for me as well, but I fall into the Penny trap every year. Yeah, and then you do. the last backfield, that's the lower running backs. We talked about them a lot last week, so we don't have to get into it too much. James Conner and Chase Edmonds, 
you know, people still believe that they're going to take a running back. I personally don't see it. The Cardinals have two total picks in the top 150 picks, the top four rounds, uh, no pick in the third or fourth round. They have too many holes. They don't have starting corners right now. Like they just don't. And their line still needs upgraded and they just need upgrades, um, other places on the defense. So they have to use those first and second round picks elsewhere. And then if they take a running back in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, like, Yes, there's always outliers, but it's not someone I'm worried about. I just don't get what the point would be. Like, I I feel like they did just fine with, um, with James Conner. Or gosh, I I feel like James Conner and Kenyon Drake at this point are just the same people to me. But they did fine with Kenyon Drake. I wouldn't say like it's the run game that kept them out of the the a 2020 postseason run. No, they need to work on their defense. I just think it would be really silly to even make that point. You got James Conner as an absolute steal. Chase Edmonds was uh, a stud last season. I just don't see the point. So I I think there are other big-time worries that we need to have in terms of the meat sweats. Let's get into the meat sweats. So I will say... The biggest meat sweat I have, and I don't even think it's fair to say about this guy, it's about James Robinson. And I understand he balled out. He balled out, and he deserves to be the guy again next year, but he does have that no draft capital. He's an unrestricted or undrafted free agent. We saw Philip Lindsay break out and kill it his rookie season, and every year after that, kind of fell lower and lower and basically has no value anymore in fantasy. Oh, he's also with Houston. We missed that. Does he worry you with David Johnson? No. Oh, he does for me. I completely forgot that he was there. What an under the radar signing. (laughs) Uh, Oh, gee. I mean, he's better than Mark Ingram. Let's put it that way. He's better yeah, than Mark Ingram. I think Ingram. he's a bigger threat to to break a run off, but I don't think he's also he, not a pass catching back though. He, I, I just don't think he's going to be. Uh, he's not going to be their goal. Not that they're going to be around the goal line much, uh, but I, I don't see him being the the go to guy on first or second down. I just, I think they're going to mix him in. I think he's a really great rotational back. I just don't see him being a big threat yeah i don't think i want anyone on houston's backfield nobody actually. wants anybody i, know, in I was thinking that david johnson <laughs> would be a good good steal but not what tyrod taylor if he's the quarterback and they're never gonna score and their defense sucks like no never mind i'm staying away from the whole backfield but one backfield i would like to not stay away from is the jacksonville jaguars backfield with james robinson but do they go into the season with just pretty much james robinson or do they use one of their gazillion early round picks on a running back like that is a possibility they have four picks in the first two rounds seven picks in the first four rounds and 10 total picks like that's a lot available to them if they did want to take a running back like they have that flexibility to take one without it really hurting them of course they have lots of holes especially on defense so maybe they won't what is what is your thought let's start with jake and then we'll go to kate Well, I will say, so the only competition that's there truly right now is Carlos Hyde, who obviously is just, he's there to supplant some, he's he's there for assistance. Lend a hand occasionally to James Robinson at this point. Yeah, he could sneak in 100 
carries throughout the season, sure, absolutely. But if if that is their only move, then great for James Robinson. Wonderful. Woohoo. But do you really go in with just Carlos Hyde and James Robinson? As you said, when you have so much draft capital to work with, I kind of doubt it. The exception to the rule, of course, that everybody wants to talk about with James Robinson is, well, look at what Arian Foster did, and he was an undrafted guy, and look at that sustainability. And that's it's not realistic to expect a guy like James Robinson to do that. I think it is more realistic to think he's a Philip Lindsay, which is still great and valuable. Um, but yeah, I would say if they add somebody round three or later, I'm still very much in on the James Robinson volume. But I do think like the the biggest concern, and I I wish this wasn't a concern because I feel like it's really silly to uh, like split hairs over running back that was as uh, prolific as James Robinson. You don't have to pay him anything. Like I think the smart move for any NFL franchise, if you find that diamond in the rough, go with it. But when you do have a new regime in, I sometimes people just like to clean house and i think you know we we don't really know where they're at with this they do have plenty of draft capital and i do think they have enough of picks in the right ranges where really any of you know those top three running backs etn naji or javante williams all could fall into a range for them where they don't really have to move around or manipulate too much in terms of their draft capital. I like personally, if I'm a GM, James Robinson is safe, but I do I trust the Jaguars to make a good decision? Not as much. I will say, I do think our fantasy brains gives James Robinson a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the word I'm using for here. Like makes him a little bit more overrated than maybe he actually was on the field. Like, his overall numbers ended up looking pretty nice. There's a lot of games he didn't do a whole ton, and they always kind of fed him. Like, he always had 11 or more attempts or, you know, 16 or more touches. But there were games he had 46 yards, 48, 29, uh, 67, 35. And then you had some 70 yards in there. It's like he had a few really big games and he got a lot of receptions is the thing. And I think that's why we think of him as this like great running back because in PPR, he got us a lot of those easy points. I, what James Robinson did last year was fantastic, but like, we're just talking about like, if you have an opportunity here to get someone to upgrade, like what if they're looking at Travis Etienne at pick 25 to go with Trevor Lawrence you know, so he, he gets his college running back. It, it seems silly and they have other holes, but it is a possibility. And I think we're going to be sweating through the first two rounds for James Robinson. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's definitely reasonable. So if you're the James man, James Robinson manager, and I think we should do this for every pick that we have the meat sweats for, let's say what our price is right now. What are you selling James Robinson for? If you have the meat sweats for James Robinson and you think – there's a chance he's on his way out. Like, what last-minute offer are you taking for James Robinson before draft night, before you know the outcome? I would take uh, an early first, obviously. I would take a middle first rookie pick. Late first. At this, 
Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, I'd be comfortable with a late first for him if that's your anticipation that, you know, it, they, it, it they could really grab him. Well, it depends, because if it's a super flex league, two, which is basically just two quarterbacks and quarterbacks go early in the draft, yeah, sure, I'll take a late first. This draft dies pretty hard with people who are safe. Like, I would obviously want Jamar Chase over James Robinson. I would want uh, Kyle Pitts. I would not want Najee Harris, um, depending on where ETN goes, possibly uh, Devonta Smith. But then it kind of dies out. Um, but that's how it is for most running backs. So... I don't know. I would almost look to trade James Robinson for a wide receiver, like a T. Higgins. Go see if you could just do James Robinson for T. Higgins straight up, because people have some meat slides about T. Higgins too, which we can get into right now. But I still would rather T. Higgins, even if they draft Jamar Chase, which we're all nervous about, I'd still rather T. Higgins than James Robinson, because young wide receivers are just better in Dynasty than James Robinson. Or... Than running backs, not, <laughs> That's not, not just James Robinson, um, but T. Higgins. Like we're gonna be sweating at pick number five. Do they go offensive line with Penny Sewell, or do they take Joe Burrow's dude, Jamar Chase, or Kyle Pitts, or Kyle Pitts? Which would you prefer for T. Higgins? Would you prefer them to go get Chase or Pitts? Honestly, I would, I mean, I don't like either, <laughs> but uh, they they did feed CJ Uzama in that offense in like the game and a half that he played um, last year. So obviously if Kyle Pitts steps in, I think almost any offense that he steps into, he's going to get fed a certain amount. But if Chase goes there, I guess I'm not incredibly concerned because the Bengals do use all of their wide receivers, all of the time. They roll out um, a third wide receiver 82% of the time in 2020. That's the second highest in the NFL. So the third guy is still going to get plenty of play. I guess it's up to your perception if that quote-unquote third guy, who that is, what the hierarchy is there. But I guess I'd almost rather have Chase. What I said to Michelle, uh, we had this discussion yesterday. I just don't think there's a huge uh, difference in the way that we might be seeing Pitts or Jamar Chase used right out of the gate. I, I don't think there's a huge difference. I mean, like Jamar Chase is literally Kyle Pitts listed as tight end or listed as a wide receiver, just a little bit smaller. And it doesn't feel like they're that far apart if you want to – say that like oh well it, Kyle's Kyle Pitts is gonna have more blocking snaps sure but I still think that both of them are a threat for immediate work um I I just don't know that there's a huge difference between one of these guys being more threatening than the other for me I have always been on the mindset like go get Kyle Pitts I don't actually think that hurts T Higgins I think that will open up the entire field and maybe Jamar Chase does the same thing, but I think Kyle Pitts being there opens up the whole field and gives Higgins just more space to work, and he's still going to get his wide receiver targets, and it'll be fine. Like, and Kyle Pitts is going to be used as a blocker. So, like, he is a tight end. Like, he has to be used as a blocker sometimes, and he's a good blocker. Like, he doesn't get enough credit for that. So he's not going to be out there running every route. I do think Jamar Chase would be the wide receiver one in that offense, and it would make me sad. I think both are incredibly talented, and we've seen two wide receivers succeed in fantasy in the same offense before. It just doesn't happen a ton. 
I, I, I would rather them take Kyle Pitts for T. Higgins. Now, as a Steelers fan, I, I hope they – I don't know what I hope because Penny Sewell would actually be a great pick too. So uh, I think either any of these choices, they're just good picks for them at five. Like they're in a great spot. Moving they should take a running back. I just want to say that. They should take a running back. Yeah, oh, that would be a, such a great move. Najee Harris, please. I actually really like Najee Harris, but that would be – I would laugh so hard if the Bengals mess up this fifth overall pick. Like it seems impossible, but what if they did it? Let's talk about another guy. I think a lot of people, if they have, there's still people who really believe in Miles Gaskin, who's who I'm talking about here, that he's going to be a fantasy thing next year. And I think those people have to be sweating out during draft day. The Dolphins, again, are like Jacksonville. They have a ton of picks and a lot of early picks. They have four picks in the first two rounds. It's four picks in the top 50 picks so like the first the one and a half round I I think they're going to take one of those top three running backs and I think they should do it like you know a lot of teams you're like oh you really shouldn't be wasting your draft capital on a running back early like in this situation give to us someone that you can really depend on uh, and upgrade that position with one of those first four picks here's the question are you worried about James Robinson if you are you should be worried about Miles Gaskin. Like, that, they are the perfect comp. Like, I think we should have transitioned straight from Jacksonville to Miami because stay in, stay in the state of Florida. They're both in the same exact position. Miles Gaskin, he was the last running back taken in the 2019 draft, seventh round. He had a good season. He had 972 scrimmage yards, five touchdowns, was utilized as a receiver, um, the other running back they got involved, Salvan Ahmed, undrafted free agent. But, like, if you're worried about a new regime coming in and just uh, the rebuild, Miles Gaskin was a solid player, but I do think maybe like a James Robinson, we we were overexcited about him because, and I like I like James Robinson, so this is like hard for me to say, but. <laughs> Like, I do think that there is a sort, certain bias that we are going to have to, towards all of these players because we got them for free, and they ended up being really productive for fantasy teams. I think you definitely have to be concerned with the amount of draft capital they they have. And like I said before, it just feels like they have picks. Uh, I think I said this about Jacksonville. They just have picks in the right spots where they don't have to do too much. It just feels like a running back could fall to them in the right place. I think we have to be concerned. And if I can get, uh, what, a mid-second for Miles Gaskin, would you sell? Oh, my goodness. Like, so fast. Miles Gaskin, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think, even last year when he was playing, like, yeah, he was decent for your fantasy team, but he wasn't, like, highly consistent. And again, Am I overvaluing him to yes. want a second-round pick? Um, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, but you have to do it basically now, and I think everyone's going to have the meat sweats about him. I think that number 36 pick that they have is that gold pick. One of those top three guys, Najee Harris or Etienne or Javante Williams, is going to be sitting there. I think pretty like I'm pretty positive about that. At that pick, right at the top of the second round, and you just have to be sitting out that pick so hard. 
I think the optimal time to trade away Miles Gaskin was definitely a couple of weeks ago once sort of all of the free agency stopped because that was everybody was holding their breath through free agency. If you had Gaskin on your team, you're like, oh, no, who, who's going to be signing uh, James White? Who's going to be signing Leonard Fournette? Like literally anybody. Chris Carson got resigned. Few, you know, like every name that got either resigned or sent to a different team, you breathe that heavy sigh of relief because Gaskin lives to fight another day. But yeah, that draft capital ain't nothing to mess with. I think it would be silliness to assume Gaskin gets that role by default. I will say I was very impressed with the running back situation in general last year in Miami. I didn't expect to be. I know Gaskin wasn't consistent, but at least he did do pretty pretty well for you, certainly from fantasy. And Ahmed kind of did too. So I'm very excited for whoever steps in there, but I don't think it's going to be Gaskin's role to keep. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for whoever goes in there. Uh, and like there was all that news, this whole free agency that they were looking at Aaron Jones like they wanted to bring in Aaron Jones so clearly they are looking for that top upgrade they don't want to just bring in anyone but if they can upgrade the position dramatically they want to do that and I do think you get that with one of those top three guys after that then who knows you know Miles Gaskin could still win the job if they don't draft one of those top three guys if he's competing against a Michael Carter or a Trey Sermon or a Chuba Hubbard like I think those guys could beat Miles Gaskin, but also at the same time, Miles Gaskin has the experience with the team. He could beat them out. That would be a much closer uh, call there, and we could talk about that once we know the answers. One question I have for y'all, because I don't think it affects this player, but are you sweating about Austin Eckler during draft night? No. No. I'm not either. Even if they draft a running back. No. I just don't think no one expects Austin Eckler to get very many carries. Like, that's not where he's getting his fantasy value. So I'm not worried. Now, Jake, what if they were to draft? Let's say they go rogue and at pick 14, (laughs) they take a Travis Etienne. Uh, Yeah, if they do, and I don't think they would, as you put it very perfectly that would be a rogue situation for them to do because i don't see the need for that and it would be a weird overlap if etn somehow ends up there i still find it hard to believe that eckler would just be worked out of this offense to the point where he wouldn't retain close to the value that he's had previously and also i I feel like this happens every single time that they draft any running back somewhat high. We've seen it happen, and every time the worry is, oh, there goes Eckler's value. Like Josh Kelly, whoever Josh gets Kelly. supplanted there. Like, oh, no, now Eckler's going to be useless for me. And it's like, that's clearly his role is pretty well defined for me in that offense. So, yeah, ETN would definitely give me pause, but I don't, beyond that, I don't, I don't think there's any issue. Something that I was saying on the Locked On Dynasty podcast this week is one of my like favorite fits that I think would just be so cool. It's never going to happen. But imagine Najee Harris to the Chargers and having Najee as that like one-two down guy and then you have Austin Eckler. They would be the best one-two punch in the NFL. Maybe aside from Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But, like, how fun would that be to watch? I'm not concerned at all. Uh, it's not 
like Eckler doesn't make his money on touches. He makes his money on efficiency. And we've seen him do that for three consecutive seasons. Uh, he's never had more than 224 touches. And yet we've seen him finish as the RB4 uh, in the 2019 season, 2018, 12.1 fantasy points per game. Last season, I, I mean, 16.5 fantasy points per game. He played 10 games and was still the RB26. And I, I think, I just don't think we have to worry about that whatsoever. His role is very defined, and I, I think the team likes him a lot. And like you said, like he was a running back four in 2019. He had Melvin Gordon there. Yeah, Melvin Gordon missed the first four games, but he had him for 12 games. He was still the running back four. Maybe, like, I think Austin Eckler's ceiling is the RB1. Whoa! Obviously, if they draft ETN or Harris or Javante Williams, like, I would not say that's a ceiling anymore, but he's still going to be a good value no matter what. I'm not sweating out during draft night at all for Austin Eckler. I just wanted to make sure you guys weren't either. Now, another guy I'm not personally sweating out during draft night but Peter Schrager from NFL Network, who like is really good at his job and has a lot of connections. Yes, he's very well connected. His first mock draft that came out a couple weeks ago didn't have Travis Etienne in the first round whatsoever. It, he wasn't listed to go to any team. Then he puts out his 2.0, which he said on a PFF interview, like, I put out my 1.0. And then I have a bunch of people reaching out to me just saying like, hey, you might have this guy, like you might be too high on this guy, you might be too low. Obviously no one's giving away what their teams are doing, but they're just saying like, you know, Washington possibly, this is what he heard. Like Washington would never pass up on this guy if it got to him, like something like that. Just some more insight. So Peter Schrager puts out his 2.0 mock draft the other day and he moved Travis Etienne into the first round and not just into the first round, at pick 19 to Washington which doesn't really make sense, but it's like, okay, what made you move ETN from out of the first all the way to pick 19 and why to Washington with Antonio Gibson there? Do we really think that Washington can be looking at one of these top guys in this draft? I don't get what Washington's doing. It's like, well, we don't know if Washington's doing anything. <laughs> no, we don't know. This no, is just a mock draft. This but. is true. No, but I like even, I mean, what I've said, my concern for a, you know, just like Antonio Gibson as a player uh, in his fantasy value, he's going to be very highly drafted in fantasy. But, like, they didn't even utilize him in the way that he's, like, the like he should be utilized as a receiving weapon. And they didn't even utilize him in that way. And that was very puzzling to me. He's a converted wide receiver. I don't get... I, like, why are you feeding J.D. McKissick 100 targets? That doesn't make sense to me. I like Antonio Gibson. I think he really surprised me last season. I wasn't expecting him to be uh, as productive as he was. But I feel like something's off there because it doesn't seem like Washington is just utilizing him in the way that you would have expected. I don't know. Well, it's it's been just one weird. Year. I know. It's been I know. One year. Relax. But uh, Antonio Gibson, like he lost targets to JD McKissick. A lot of them. Like yeah, a like crazy that crazy person. He amount. also that's had, troubling. He also had to learn how to be a running back and how to pass block and how to do all that because that's not what he did in Memphis. He like barely was a running back and 
like, he had to learn so much about the position. Um, so I'm just going to give me pause. It's enough to yes, give me he, pause. Yeah, he did have to learn, of course, a lot. And as a rookie in that abbreviated offseason with COVID, mind you, like, yes, that's a lot for them to take on. But are they worried? Is Washington worried that this is not going to click for him? Like, have they seen something where they think, I don't know, maybe, you know, it could be salvageable, of course, because it's only been a year, like you said. But maybe to them, they think, oh, we better have another option here because if it doesn't click with him this year, then maybe we're screwed. Maybe maybe that would be the thought process if he has him, if he's heard things where ETN is mocked there. Fantasy Twitter will burn down if Washington takes a running back with their first or even second round pick. Like, fantasy I will be so sad. Lose it. I know I've come around in Antonio Gibson. Last year I was the... I, I wasn't even a hater on his talent. I was a hater that he would be able to just like succeed in the NFL right away with how limited of uh, a role he had in Memphis as a running back. That's why I'm kind of coming around to him now. It's like, I didn't think he was going to break out that fast. I was wrong about that. But I did always see the talent. I, I, I think this would be silly for Washington to waste one of these picks on a running back. I think Antonio Gibson's plenty good enough. But now Peter Schrager is going to make me sweat. On draft night. So thanks a lot. Meat sweats. Uh, and then I know you're going to be sweating. All right. As the Packers fan. I think Jakey. this is the perfect way to close out our show today. Yes. I want to talk With about. With your own meat sweats. You're going to be sweating Rude. so hard. After last year's draft, I'm sure you're just, you have PTSD. Like you have to. Uh, that was just a very wildly bad draft. But hear me out. Mm. Hear me out. So we all want Aaron Rodgers to finally get that second wide receiver that he so deserves. If it's not in the first, you got to take him in the second. But looking at their draft picks, I have a feeling I know what they're going to do. So they have two picks in each of the fourth round, the fifth round, and the sixth round. Is this going to be like 20, what was it, 2018 or 2019 when they took uh, Jamon Moore? Is that how you say his name? He doesn't play in the NFL anymore, does he? He doesn't, uh, well, he's on a practice squad, maybe somewhere. Yeah. You took him in the fourth, and then there was MVS. And he's on like my high school football team's practice squad. MVS no, and St. Brown. In what, the sixth round in that draft? What if this is kind of their same game plan again? Like, let's just try to hit on a bunch of guys in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round again and see if it works out. Yeah, if I wasn't already so deadened based off all of the previous drafts from them and the the egregious moves they've made, I would definitely be sweating this out. I'm just personally at the point as a Packers fan of like, I don't even sweat anymore because I I just have the lowest of low expectations for them. (laughs) If they draft a wide receiver in the third round somehow, like I would be ecstatic, quite frankly. But to your point about all of those late round picks, yeah, that's 100% been their M.O., And it's not just been with one GM. It's actually transitioned into the new GM's methodology too. Like it's very reasonable that they just throw a bunch more darts and they love players who are just fast enough to maybe get down the field, but not good enough to catch the ball for Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I could see them just like taking those dart throws on raw talent. Personally, I mean, I would love to see yeah, a high draft wide receiver. But at this point, their philosophy seems pretty ingrained. If they get to pick 29 and Elijah Moore is sitting there and the Packers take some stupid cornerback, 
or some defense alignment over Elijah Moore. I, I don't know if my TV is going to last through the night. Like those last few picks, I, I might not get to see him. I don't think I'm going to be so upset. I don't think Jake's TV or any electronics for that matter are going to last. I, I just don't understand like what is, what is your goal? I don't understand what they were doing with AJ Dillon Jordan Love, what the hell is Say your they draft took Najee Harris, what would be your reaction? <laughs> Not I, surprised. I, there is nothing. There is nothing that would make me actually more upset than last year, except for literally that. That's the only thing I think <laughs> at this point that would shock me to my core. And the thing, they do have other needs, to be fair. Like, yes, they need help desperately stopping the run. So if they want to go that route, I, I get it. That's definitely a possibility. The thing that actually concerns me a little bit with the A.J. Dillon pick from last year is, is this where they keep trying to do that thing of we have one true actual running back and now we're just going to split Aaron Jones out wide. He's going to be the de facto receiver too. We don't have to worry about anything. And if that's the way that they go, that's great for Jones' value for fantasy and that's neat, but it would be a a real bummer for me. Well, I hope that, you know, you can just enjoy your Thursday night and actually have a good one as a Packers fan. I know it hasn't felt like a fun NFL draft in a long time for you guys, but at least you made it to the NFC championship game last year. I don't feel that bad for you. You could be a Steelers fan and lose the first round of the playoffs every time you get there um, over the you last guys, decade. You guys remember when the Packers passed on TJ Watt? You remember who, who that guy ended up going to play for? <laughs> Who did they take over him? Do you even know? Uh, I, I think it was Kevin King, actually. So that's just an extra assault <laughs> to the woods. I cannot believe TJ Watt actually got all the way to the end of that draft or that first round. I'm always shocked by that, but I'm very thankful um, to every team who passed on him. All right. Well, maybe we will talk more about the NFL draft next week. It's one more week, seven more sleeps. Everybody enjoy these magical moments leading up to the draft. Such a fun time of the year. Uh, be sure to go ahead, follow us on Twitter at BallBlastFB. As always, I am your host, Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. You can follow me, Michelle, at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. You can follow me, Jake, at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.